The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to The Power of Water, the crisis, the crisis on our planet, water. It's not been understood, and, and the reason I chose to have the power of water as a global crisis, as a topic for a show every week to go worldwide, is people do not understand they're a walking sponge and their water, and the earth has to have water to sustain all life. I want you to know that on the show week, we've had some of the most exciting people supporting that topic, that subject, and that education. Our show has invited people to come in like a classroom, and we're going to be teaching different subject matters and pretend like you're in a laboratory. You're here to learn, and then after the show is over, you can go on to the Internet all over the world and study. Are we right? Are we wrong? Are, are you willing to learn? Now, there's a word that I learned in my research many years ago as you, as my listeners know, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, and we've been studying water and human life and the life on Earth with water for over 30 years. I have been able to accomplish technology breakthroughs, published all over the world, and have made many milestones of getting better education out for this subject. Dehydration. You're dehydrating. The moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe from a bag of water. At that second, you opened your eyelid. There are no two eyes alike. There are no two skins in the complexion alike. No two de- uh, fingerprints alike. And the dehydration process that has not been studied from birth, that I hope to be able to understand more in time, has not been able to, we have not been able to understand how you, each person, is dehydrated now. Should you be drinking a lot of water? You bet your life. You should be drinking at least 8 to 10 glasses of water a day from the moment you get up until you go to bed because you're a walking sponge. You're water. There is life in water. And like the professor who was on our show not long ago, he won a Nobel Prize, Life in the Molecule, Dr. Wurskrich, we found out that uh, we were able to learn that life is in the molecule. Now, life in water life in the molecule, you're walking unique. Yes, you're walking unique. So always remember what is going on on the face of the earth. It's just like we have a historical show today. Haiti just had an earthquake. People from all over the world are coming in. What is the most important ingredient, nutrient, nutritional need is water. They need water. They need sprinkler systems up and going to be able to walk through, to put some moisture in the air, let them feel like they're absorbing it, and they need water. 
So support them, get behind them, and I know we are from all over the world. What a horrible natural tragedy. Today we have a lot of excitement. We have Dr. Robert Van Kirk, Verkirk, and he will teach us how to pronounce this correctly. But Dr. Verkirk is internationally acclaimed. He is from the United Kingdom and Surrey, England. He is an individual who has given his life to the natural and sustainable understanding and better education of healthcare. We will learn a lot because I've been told and I've read about him. He knows a lot. So learn, come to the laboratory and learn with us. Our second guest is Dr. Robert Piccioni. He is believed that, and has been studying all over the world, making the wonders of our universe accessible to everyone and a better understanding of how we're living in this universe. So when you get up in the morning, you're beginning your new day on this planet, Earth, Earth has a magnificent plan, the human mission of exploring life in water, but what about exploring life in the universe? As we heard last week, Dr. Cecil was telling us, uh, who is uh, with the U.S. Geological Survey, that when they just found ice on the moon, there is a lot we can learn about our universe. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature Fears I Missed, the only global natural method of misting the eyes to, for the eyes to be able to keep a natural moisture to, for the eye, for the lens and the tear film. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with the doctor, and we're going to learn a lot today, so please stay with us. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinerHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Doctor, are you with us? Absolutely. How are you, Sharon? Well, I am. Uh, thank you for joining us. I am very well and fine. Uh, and you are talking to us from where today? From Surrey in the United Kingdom. Um, I will be coming to the, the U.S. next week, but um, today I'm in England still. Okay, well, thank you for joining us. I know you must have a busy schedule. I don't want to explain your background. Would you tell us about your background and wh- where you're at today and how you got there? Because it sounds like you and I have a lot in common um, studying the nature of this planet and trying to encourage people 
to connect with the nature of their lives and make that the primary focus of it. Precisely. Well, my my background is really as an ecologist, and um, over the years, I I qualified for my first degree, um, you know, pushing uh, 30 years ago now. And uh, I subsequently um, have have, um, a a master's and a PhD in um, the areas of sustainable agriculture. Um, And then I worked, um, continued working at Imperial College London um, as a postdoctoral research fellow in that area. And, And one of the the key areas I was looking at was looking at interactions within um, agricultural systems um, and how natural balances, ecological processes are, are developed um, so that we could find ways of, if you like, supporting organic systems and also understanding better the problems that um, the introduction of chemicals, the heavy use of synthetic fertilizers might have in agricultural systems. And um, we were doing work in, in all, all different parts of the world, particularly in Africa um, and Southeast Asia. But the, the bottom line is that during the course of this work, one of the things that we were, were seeing increasingly is that the actual crops that have become predominant crops in the world are changing. They're certainly changing dramatically compared with their, um, their, their cousins in evolution, their ancestors. And um, we still have some of the uh, traditional varieties around, but of course they are now, many of them are just being kept going in, in seed banks. And we're at this very critical phase, um, made more critical, if you like, by the development of um, genetically modified crops, that if we don't um, retain the genetic stock with which we co-evolve, we're going to have some very substantial problems. Um, and um, this really led me to the field of, um, of, of nutrition and ways in which, um, if you like, ecological principles can Drinking be applied to the human body. Studying more water. Well, that's right. Water has been a very long-term interest of mine, um, not least of all because it is the single most important thing that we put into our mouths. And then in addition to that, we're seeing um, severe problems developing both with the quantity and the quality of water. Um, And as you've probably already discussed on on this program, um, one of the notions that's been put forward by... um, um, from a number of different areas, is that um, water supply is likely to become one of the really major issues of this coming century. And um, they have if we don't address this it last now, year in, in the business world worldwide, uh, with the economy the way it was, the challenges and the tests have to come to try to be resilient, to be resilient. That water is in such a crisis that people have no idea there will become more water wars over it because of what's going on. Now, I wanted to ask you, when you said the seed banks, teach our audience what a seed bank is. Uh, I, uh, I understand that you do, yeah. but they need, to, they need to value what the seed bank, way, from way back in time, wh- how it began and where we're at today with the seed bank, our food bank. Yeah, you, you basically a seed bank is a place where you keep um, um, seeds in extremely cold environments so that you can um, retain them for centuries to eternity in a perfect world. What typically happens with um, most of the seed banks where um, fruits and vegetables are kept, where these, um, you'll, you'll probably have heard of them because they're available in, um, in organic suppliers as heritage varieties. And um, it's very, very important that people actually purchase those 
organic heritage varieties and actually get them into the ground and cultivate them and also try and raise their own seed. You'll notice that one of the the big changes, certainly in the um, horticulture area, is that um, many of the varieties people now cultivate are effectively F1 hybrids that don't produce seed. Um, these older varieties, the norm used to be that um, people kept about 10% of their plot available so that they could raise seed. They allow the crop to literally go to seed. They collect the seed and off they go. And of course, um, this is, apart from all of the health and environmental problems um, posed by genetically modified crops, one of the right, biggest... Now, I want to ask you, because uh, I know somebody might be thinking about it, I was, yeah. what is the oldest seed, the oldest seed that you think they've been able to maintain and protect? Well, I mean, they have certainly found seeds that are viable that are hundreds of years old. Um, In theory, seeds can remain viable in the right conditions, um, where they're kept in ice, where they're kept in in alluvial deposits, for example, for pretty much to eternity. I mean, the the metabolic rate can be brought pretty much down to zero. And if you imagine um, that, that within that, one seed is the entire, um, if you like, genetic code for a complex uh, organism. It is is remarkable. Now, tell us some of the companies or where would, in people's minds, uh, who is maintaining these seeds? Do you know the names of some of these? Well, yes. I mean, uh, one one of the most famous that I've certainly had a lot to do with is the um, Henry Doubleday Research Association that has actually recently change its name to Garden Organic in um, even Coventry in the UK. And um, um, they, they basically have, I believe, one of the biggest horticultural um, and agricultural um, seed banks in the world. And, um, and you can actually purchase seed from them internationally, and they will send it to you and you can plant it. And um, any assistance that people can be made, you know, can give in terms of just buying those products you can go to their website garden organic um you can if you happen to be in the uk it's really well worth a visit because they they have um a a wonderful demonstration um gardens they um will take many of the um the different heritage varieties out of the seed bank and cultivate them um from time to time um and they have a particularly good organic restaurant there that can't be missed as well um but that that is one of the most famous in the world now, let's move on to some of your knowledge on uh, vitamins and minerals and nutrients. Uh, what is your thinking on, it says here, you're the director of the Alliance for Natural Health and Food Supplement uh, Education and Speaking uh, Engagements. Tell us a little bit about what you think is threatening the vitamin and mineral availability. Well, the, the, um, j- just to put that right, yeah, I, I am the executive director of the Alliance for Natural Health, and we, we basically deal with a, a wide range of issues from um, everything from drinking water through to um, uh, healthcare systems that are sustainable and, and um, have co- essential compatibility with nature, um, as well as um, looking at uh, drinking water issues, fluoridation, chlorination, contamination, ways of getting around that. Um, we're looking at uh, electromagnetic radiation from, uh, from mobile phones, cell phones, wireless systems, etc. So um, anything that's basically about 
the way in which our lives have become more disconnected from nature, we're looking at as a non-governmental organization, an educational um, organization to help people to reconnect with um, with effectively where they, where they came from. Do you believe, from. Have, in your studies and research, have you learned that is it possible that people are taking way too many supplements a day and not uh, going to somewhat authorities or their locations to purchase them that people really there, don't there, have? There, to is, there is no doubt that, that certain forms of supplements, um, particularly the synthetic forms that are different from the forms that we naturally find in food, can be harmful. Um, a, a very good example is the recent work now on folic acid. Everyone's been told to get out there, particularly women, if they're thinking about having a baby. You've got to get onto your 400 micrograms of, of folic acid. And, of course, many people have felt that, you know, more is better. So there are many, many people consuming several products a day that have 400 micrograms of synthetic folic acid that really barely occurs in nature. And um, the research is really beginning to show that if you only have twice the amount of, of, of the stipulated 400 microgram amount, you, in other words, consume 800 micrograms now, do you more. Think, do you think it's possible, doctor, that a person would have to have them every day, but spread them out through days, like through the week, don't have one, the same one it, every it, day? It, or what it, do you, it, what do you it really think depends what, what product you're looking at. So the, in terms of the example of folic acid, um, there, is, there is no doubt that if we were to take the natural form of folate, the polyglutamate form, the, the type that exists in dark green leaf vegetables, we can more or less have um, as much as a, uh, of it as we want and there'll be no harmful effects. And in fact, many people are very short on polyglutamate folates because they're not eating enough dark green leaf vegetables. There we um, go. Th We're going to listen are... to our sponsor and we're going to come back and I'm going to your brain on that one because that is the, that is what we've been learning from all of our doctors that people are not eating enough dark green they think that lettuce iceberg lettuce might work doctor <laughs> if you give us a moment water, we're, listen, not for food. we're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back and learn more from you Thanks. we're going to listen to our sponsor nature's tears eye mist the 100 percent tissue culture grade of water of misting the eye for an all-natural method not eye drops the all-natural method of moisturizing the eye. I'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Burkert. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel.
listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Berker, before we had our moment there uh, with our sponsor, you were talking about some of the, the dark green vegetables that people are not eating enough of. You know, where I don't know about your, uh, your uh, United Kingdom, but I know over in America, people are eating way too, too much sugar. And uh, I, I, I've been stressing, to, I just, it just frightens me. The sugar if if you if you eating. look at what the, this problem is certainly uh, a, a problem right through Western societies. It's also becoming a very great problem in parts of the Middle East, um, pretty much everywhere around the world. We're seeing this this shift towards um, highly processed um, carbohydrate sources as the predominant um, staple, and um, there are many problems associated with this. Um, and one of the reasons we see both a, a diabetes and, a, and an obesity epidemic is for this reason. Of course, these foods are, are very hollow. Where we consume them, people then consume pure of the, the diverse of the body. nutrients. That, that yeah, they, we need. It increases the temperature of the body if they're eating Absolutely. too much sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Have you, my field, I've gone into studying the global dehydration crisis. In other words, the moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathed from a water bag, and all of a sudden, there has never been research from that second on with your dehydration because there's no two people the same. Um, how do we know when that individual is growing into their uh, crawling and their walking and then their life begins to fly later? We've never learned to teach ourselves the education has not been not, a, not so much sugar and more green vegetables and learn to get your palate, your taste buds, those nerve endings on the tongue, liking tasting other foods. Uh, yeah. We're all no, human. I mean, uh, we it, all it, just had a holiday, how much uh, pastry we were eating. You know, we it, all say, well, I guess the holiday is over now. Let's go back to the way it was without all that pastry. But yeah, from, from, from an evolutionary perspective, it's out of when we... Dehydration. When we... Yeah, when we were hunter-gatherers from an evolutionary point, point of view, um, first of all, very highly concentrated sugars were only available in very small amounts sporadically, and it paid, it paid us to search those out in order to find them so that we could um, effectively load up on a small quantity, and then we lived very, very active lifestyles. The problem now is that you don't have to go hunting for some nice sweet berries that, that were very, very rich on a very wide range of other phytonutrients. You can just open the fridge or go down to your local store or to your gas station and you just sit, have it sitting there. And, of course, once you start eating that, if you look at the, the children's surveys of diets, both in the United States and in Europe, you see a horror story developing because what you see is a problem that's much, much greater for the developing young generation than it is for our generation because these generations have have grown up with the the candy store and the cookie store within their bedrooms. Oh, and, I look at um, the cereal. That the is a cereals problem. that are on the, the on the cartoon day uh, that are advertising and the companies that are advertising Christmas and holidays and Valentine's and Easter that that sugar coated taste for children to like to be tasting the sugar. The sweetness, you know, I had somebody on here in the United States, they were heading the lactation, 
the uh, nursing the the mother uh, nursing the baby from birth and and I, I was saying, well, then the, what about the water? Then uh, giving up some water during the day from birth. And she said, oh no, no, the the milk is mostly water. You don't want to fill the baby up with water because they may want more water than they would drink the milk. And I, my research is showing that the baby it doesn't like to taste of water until it gets older because it liked that sweet taste. Hmm. It didn't have any inter- it didn't have any introduction to the taste of water young at birth. Now, when we're coming along, and here we are on this world, what do you think is the ideal plan for, let's tell us what you do and what you teach, what is the ideal daily plan for an individual to get up in the morning, start their day, and how to live their day with the nutrition that they need to be able to go to bed, sleep well, and, and breathe right. What is your thinking there? What have you been well, learning? The, in your the, um, I, I guess it's kind of practice what you, you preach. I, I've got to say, um, my, I, I do have a very large 600-mil glass of water, uh, of, of, of pure water with electrolytes, with, with natural electrolytes in it, because that's one of the other problems with the nature of many of the waters that, that people are getting out of taps or even certain mineral waters that can be very, very rich and have a very high salt content, is that we need trace elements um, in order to be able to utilize the, the, the water properly. But basically, I have a large glass of water. As I go to bed, I have another one as soon as I wake up. Um, it, it's very good because of your cortisol spike, um, that, that um, when your adrenals kick in first thing in the morning, to be active early on and then to be actually starting to eat within 30 minutes of, of getting up. Um, and, and what that does is really sustain you partially because that's the time when your cortisol has, has risen and you give it another kick when you, when you eat. And um, so I mean, one of the worst things you can do is just, eating, is just... What do you think is a good eating a diet in the morning? Because, oh my gosh, all the sugar to choose from for breakfast. I'm, I've got to say I'm quite horrified with, with uh, the things they call breakfast when I'm traveling in the U.S. No. Um, <laughs> in the morning. I, I'm, you know, all those pancakes and all that simple carbohydrate is, is, well, I was um, just having, is I'm a major, on the major East Coast issue. Today. By the way, doctor, I'm sitting on the East Coast today in a Hilton hotel, and there was a soccer team in the, and having breakfast with all of us. And the, the uh, honey-coated uh, cereals and and, and the Belgian waffle with the heavy syrup. And, uh, I mean, I was just, you know, you watch the children. I don't think they walked away with hardly any protein, and I never, I did not yeah. see one glass of water. These beautiful children, very actively involved in their uh, sports and, and look healthy, but yeah. all yeah. sugar. Now, uh, what, what it, would you do I mean, the uh, audience uh, about that? Yeah, essentially. Uh, the, the, um, l- let me tell you um, my plan. You, you, you essentially get up, have your glass of water. Within 30 minutes, you sit down. And one of the things that um, we always advocate, if there's going to be one message about your diet, it should be diversity. If you go to restaurants, make sure every time you go, you choose something different. Make sure that when you put food in your plate, it is as many different colors as you can possibly find. Um, you know, this, this concept of eating yellow food. Have a look around in fast food places at the breakfast menus in, in many hotels and have a look at that yellow food. It's everywhere. It's often based on carbohydrate, very refined carbohydrates. Um, and, 
the, the, the problem is, is that not only is it nutritionally hollow, it basically is converted very, very quickly to glucose. Only part of it is utilized, and basically it gives you this huge glucose spike and sets you on the way towards um, diseases like obesity and, and, and diabetes. mental stress. So, sorry, I, I missed that, Sharon. Yeah, mental exhaustion. Absolutely. Um, you yes, know. And we are forgetting. Now, tell us, because um, we don't have too much more time, and someday uh, I am sorry if there's any static, because I am uh, uh, here in the East Coast, and I'm usually on the West Coast. Tell us how you would teach our audience to think about living a good life, being mentally alert, and possibly sitting at a computer in your job most of the day, uh, what is happening, because as you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm also into eye, uh, uh, research of the human eye organ for all these years also. And did you know in 2030 they expect to have 35 million people in the United States have macular degeneration? They yeah. have determined, doctor, that nearsightedness has become an epidemic. Every five seconds, somebody on our planet is going blind. Now, when I study every day and what I've been learning, that's a severe dehydration that is going to cause other symptoms uh, that, are, uh, that are out of control. So let's see if we can get a real uh, exciting uh, idea from you and, and a website to go through that you, go to that you could teach us where we could learn uh, before we have you next time. Look, fantastic. The, 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 the rule of thumb essentially is you cannot make things too complicated because people just look, take one look at a very complicated exactly. plan and say, I can't manage this. But um, as far as the diet goes, it's got to be all about diversity. Um, as far as the um, fruit and vegetable component, there's good evidence that we should be consuming at least seven portions of fruit and vegetables, probably a little bit more vegetables than fruit. If you can get into those heritage varieties because many of the um, non-organics and even some of the organic produce available today is very dumbed down in terms of, in terms of its nutritional content compared w with what we used to have. Um, in terms of protein sources, one, there's a lot of research going now, now into protein quality, and it does seem that the idea of um, applying high temperatures or irradiation to proteins denatures proteins, and our body uses them much, much more effectively when they're less denatured. And, of course, people like to blitz the meat because they're worried about bugs and microbes in it that are going to make them sick. As we see this global food industry develop, we see more and more of it being subjected to preservatives and irradiation, again, to control the microbiological problems associated with it. But if you can find high-quality meats and fish and cook them at a lower heat for longer, that's much better than subjecting them to um, very high temperatures for short time. So frying, that kind of thing, high temperature frying, and especially deep frying, is really out of the question. Microwaves are also out of the question because of the damage they do to proteins. When it comes to carbohydrates, focus on healthy carbohydrates. When it comes to fats, focus on the healthy fats, such as the um, the, the monounsaturated fats, the olive oils of this world, the um, medium-chain triglycerides, things like coconut. Um, so, uh, and obviously, if you can get fats naturally from, um, from clean sources of fish that are not polluted with um, mercury, cadmium, etc., that's great. Um, I should also add that 
essential to the overall picture is what you do with your body in terms of activity and what you do with your mind in terms of finding time for stillness to rest your mind um, and also making sure that you have time for humor to allow you to laugh. Laughing oh, like is that. actually one of the biggest <laughs> medicines you can offer. You, it's one of the reasons that people who might tend to be on the overweight side but still smile a lot seem to be a, a lot better than the nervous types that maybe eat yeah. the right diet but forget about the mind and forget about laughing. Oh, my, and listen to the, your, uh, uh, some really good rhythm of earth and music. I wanted to ask you real quickly, too, when we're talking about uh, the processing of food when they go to cook it. So you're suggesting that we steam our, our, our vegetables lightly, right? Yes, and, and some of them um, can be eaten raw. And, and raw. don't keep buying the same ones. Don't necessarily, we might decide that, say, broccoli is a great vegetable. I've actually done a lot of research on broccoli. It's a phenomenal uh-huh. vegetable. However, if you're only kale? eating broccoli... And then you're cutting out all the colorful, the, the, the reds and yellows, the, the bell peppers, okay. etc. Then you have a problem. You've got to get mm-hmm. that color because each one of the colors there represents a different chemical group. Okay. And most of the cancer-fighting properties in fruits and vegetables come from those colorful chemicals. And, um, uh-huh. and you know, there are some major issues now developing because of the change in our palates. And if you look at the change over even the last 30 or 40 years, more and more young children are rejecting sourness and they're going for blandness and sweetness so that many kids are now beginning to reject that. And the way in which we need to handle that is to make sure that young children, as they start to um, eat solid foods, they get subjected to a huge diversity of color and flavor, so they're programmed into it. And um, I've, I've got six kids. I've done that with all of my kids. Um, uh-huh. And it's remarkable just how different their, their attitude towards food the is. The younger you start that, the better it is. Diversity, yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I, uh, I had some medical groups come in and ask me years ago if I was studying the dry mouth because of the dryness of the, uh, of the gums and the tongue and what's happening with the saliva, and I found in the tongue a nerve endings. And I said to myself, that might be our problem, and we need to study more because we've learned those nerve endings are not getting enough moisture if we're not drinking enough water. Mm. But the other one is uh, saline is not a way to help a dry mouth. Uh, the other one was that I, when I've been studying so far is that we're not, you're right, we're not getting enough bland uh, we're not our, ner- our nerve endings and our taste buds are not wanting the bland taste. We want that real sweet uh, carbohydrate taste, and it's those nerve endings that are tricking us. I believe it's got to have re- more research. But we've only got a moment left here. Um, wanted to ask you on um, uh, before I go on kale. You know, kale in America. You can buy kale in the produce department everywhere. Is kale a good one to add to your diet? Kale is a fantastic one to add to your diet. Um, it, it's basically, um, it's again one of the crops, the crucifers that I've done a lot of work with. Um, it's got a whole bunch of cancer-fighting compounds, sulforaphanes. One of the things that you should be careful of is that um, if you eat it when it's too old, it'll have lower amounts of some of the really um, powerful cancer-fighting um, compounds. And one of the things that I, I would remind people to do and it's very very easy to do this is get yourself a sprouter so if you if you for example go and buy 
broccoli seeds or kale seeds, put them in your sprouter, and then you can put them into sandwiches or eat them in salads um, because they have a phenomenal uh, content of sulforaphanes and other glucosinolates. Um, that you are said, so, I, I so had a hard time understanding. You said put them in your sprouter? Sprouter, yeah. You, but, but you know what a, a sprouter from a health store, basically a, yes. it's usually a plastic explain, container yeah, that, that explain allows that you to Explain that to our audience because I yeah. think that's an important education. Would you explain that? Yeah, it's basically a, a plastic container that, that, that um, uh, basically is, is allows air to move in and out, um, and then it basically allows water to sit inside it so that the seeds are sitting close to the water and in that very humid environment, and you can just put it on your windowsill in your, in your kitchen, for example, and it's great for the kids to get involved in. Um, another rule of thumb for me with children is when people complain about kids not eating foods that are bitter, like sprouts for example get them involved in actually growing them and preparing them and harvesting them and boy do they like to get involved again it's the hunter gatherer and all of us that wants to be directly involved so once these sprouts are about three or four days old that's the time um, to, to eat them and you can just throw them in your salads you can throw them on top of food sandwiches you know, nice I'm wondering about bread. throwing them into mashed potatoes Absolutely. You know, I, my husband's from Holland, and uh, we, they taught me the mashed potatoes and the kale, and I went a bit farther. I do the steamed mashed potato. I do the steamed potatoes. I add the kale. I add uh, the carrots. I add a parsnip. I get as much in there as nutrients as I can and have a mashed potato uh, gala. And, and, it, and you must add garlic, garlic and mustard to that as well. Yeah, um, yes, and you can add collards, collards and mustard, and yeah. and, and people cannot. I, every time I make them, doctor, I make that dish. They, I, I never make enough. People yeah. just gobble it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. I really did enjoy it, and I hope you'll join us again one day. And and how have you come to America very often? Has no, I'm still here. You're still there. Well, yeah, I, we have I, a bad I, line I, there, Whenever but, you um, come to America, let's try to get together. Wonderful. Thank you okay, so much. You have a wonderful day there, and thank you for your time. And you thank keep you. up that mission. All the best. Bye. The human mission you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. What? The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. 
Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Pitchum, are you with us? I am. Well, thank you for joining us, Robert. I know. you had mentioned that we could say his, your name is Dr. Robert Piccioni, uh the first time, but from there on, you would like to be called Robert. Absolutely. You have a Ph.D., and your um, human mission has been making the wonders of our universe accessible to everyone. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing and how you got where you're at today. Sure. You're from Grants Pass, right? I am, but today I'm on in Rhode Island, but yes, I my headquarters is in Grants Pass, Oregon. Oh, okay. Can I say hello to my friend in Grants Pass? Yes. Who is your friend? Sure. Frank and Joanne Martin. Uh, okay. Good friends of mine for many years. They live up there. So, hi, Frank and Joanne. Yes. Well, <laughs> and uh, thank you for, for joining me us. A minute, Tell sure. us about... Uh, what you what you've been doing with your studies uh, about the universe yeah, on the universe? You know, last week we had um, Dr. Dwayne Cecil on, who's with the uh, U.S. Geological Survey NASA, and we talked about the ice on the moon last week, Robert. Oh yeah, that's a great topic. That was a good one. But tell us about where you've been and how you got where you're at. Well, what I've been doing recently is, since I retired from uh, being an active scientist, is I teach science to the public. I have a a motto that I like to say, and that is that you don't have to be a great musician to appreciate great music. And I think oh, that is for sure. Yeah, I I can't play a note. Yes, go forward. Yes. Yeah. So I think the same is true for science. I think that science has discovered many exciting and important things that the public should know about and unfortunately everybody thinks that science is always wrapped up in equations and technical jargon and so on and and often it is but the truth is that the fundamental ideas and the really important discoveries can be expressed very simply and that's what I'm trying to do you know Robert we had recently on here uh, professor Kurt Worthrit who's uh, got the Nobel Prize he's from Switzerland for uh, in chemistry for discovering life in the molecule. And he had mentioned, I've been in research for many, many years, that it's common sense. Be smart and use common sense. Don't try to make it so complex that it's like beyond common sense. Mm-hmm. So you're, I believe that you're on something right there. Now, tell us about your why you decided to get into the universe uh, of what you're doing with the cosmos and and uh, more that's happening out there around the planet Earth. Well, Sharon, you see, I was born being a physicist. Uh-huh. Uh, my father was a high-energy physicist, and all we ever talked about at home was physics. And okay. 
I always thought everybody was a physicist until I went to grade school. <laughs> and, you know, I could I like tell him. the kids all about antimatter, but uh, I, they had to tell me what a shortstop was. So oh. I, I've been a physicist all my life, and it's huh? been something that's, uh, you know, there's great beauty in science, and I think great interest. It's much more interesting in my, <clears throat> sorry, in my view than science fiction. But now, you've also, got on your information here, you said something, everybody's guide to atoms, Einstein, and the universe. You know, I've often thought, I read and uh, studied Einstein, and I'm going to tell you in the world, and I've said this many times, I am not a smart person. I used to carry the books home that I was going to study, and I carried books home to study the books I was studying. So, <laughs> And I go out to the smart people of the world to help me be smarter. When we studied Einstein, he taught us there is no such thing as a straight arrow. Well, Einstein had a lot of really remarkable insights about the universe, and his great, life is an interesting great. story all by itself. Exactly. Now, tell us about where you're at, though, today with what you've been learning. Well, I wrote the book that you just described, and it explains uh, all of modern science without math and without equations, and it explains it in words and pictures. And when I finished the book, you know, in the process I had to review a lot of basic science. And by the time I finished the book, these little ideas started popping up in my mind, and they were very surprising. And when I put them together, I was shocked. And all of these little ideas had to do with how amazing the universe is that it allows life to exist. Oh, it is. It's, it's just amazing. It's, it's incredible, the long list of things that had to be very precisely what they are in order for life to exist in the universe. And I don't think science has addressed that adequately. There has been this notion in science, sort of a common wisdom, there's no direct proof, but everybody believed it, that life originated because the right sort of molecules banged into each other in the right way, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and that is complete, completely impossible. For that to have occurred within the life of our universe is just completely out of the question. If you do you know, if you've heard anything about me, mine is um, the water, the water, the water. And uh, I'm totally convinced that we haven't studied enough about life and water to save lives in the planet. And I, I believe that uh, you're right about study. For some reason, we got off, the, uh, off of the directions of common sense in our research and got into, what well, if it could be patented, let's hurry up and get it done. Uh, but go, for, go forward and tell us what you think you're finding. Well, I think that if you, these numbers are so incredibly small that you have to express them in a way that's uh, more, uh, you, more accessible to, to, to normal people. And so what I like to say is if you think about drawing a card from a deck of cards, the chances of getting the ace of spades is 1 in 52. If you have two decks of cards and you draw one from each, then the chances that they're both the ace of spades is really small. It's less than one in 2,000. Mm -hmm. The chances of molecules banging together and generating even the simplest bacteria is less likely than drawing the ace of spades 1,000 times in a row. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anybody would say that that's something that could happen. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is happening? Well, I think it's clear that science doesn't have the answer. 
Uh, as science continues to advance, one day we may discover what that answer is, but uh, we don't have that answer at the moment. But do you think that it'll probably be like a, 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 a basket full of marbles? Don't you think it will be all kinds of answers, not any one, one answer? Well, that's certainly a possibility, but it might just be one answer. Okay. Uh, there have been things in the past in science which were great mysteries, which no one could explain, and then someone made a discovery, and all of a sudden we learned something dramatically new about our universe, and it, it explained some of these great questions. There have also been questions that still aren't answered. And so, you know, I don't know what the answer is going to be. I, I like to think of myself as the guide. I take people to the top of the mountain. You're the tour guide. I'm the guide, yeah. And I take you to the top of the mountain, and you look out, and there's this fantastic view. And I don't have to tell you what's what. You can see it for yourself. Uh-huh. Start your imagining going on. It's like the human, you're the human mission teaching us how to open our imaginations and, and look as far as we can look. Right. What uh, are you learning today uh, about our universe out there that we're living around? Oh, what is Europe thinking on ice on the moon? Uh, what, what do you believe is some of your theories on what is happening out there that's circling around us uh, for us to look out there as far as our eye can see? Uh, there is ice on the moon. It's a very small amount of water compared to, you know, the Earth. But uh, it's an adequate amount of water that uh, NASA could use that if they were to establish a base. They could use that water to uh, for drinking for the astronauts. They could also use that water to make rocket fuel so they could launch a mission to Mars at much lower cost than going directly from the Earth because the moon's gravity is so much less. Uh, so that's a great discovery uh, for NASA. And, you know, water is one of the most common things in the universe. It's made of two of hydrogen is the most common element in the universe, and oxygen is the third. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and water is the combination of the two. And I think. One thing I asked him too, Robert, was I said, have they done any dis- detection to try to figure out how much moisture is in the air? away from that ice that they found, and he's going to look into that, because if there's moisture beginning to be in the air around that area, there could become something really fascinating in the future uh, that is happening there. I'm going to ask you, uh, when they found the ice there, how long, I didn't ask uh, um, the doctor this, but how long do you think the ice was there? Oh, the ice. Have you any idea how long you think that ice might have been there? Probably since the beginning of the moon. Probably okay. it's over 4 billion years. Okay. Because the, the water came from the same cloud of dust that collapsed and formed the sun and the, the planets. Mm-hmm. The, earth, the moon uh, was created when a very large, massive body about the size of Mars collided with the earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, a portion of the crust of the earth and a portion of that uh, incoming planetesimal, which is called Thea, came off the Earth and formed the moon. Mm-hmm. And then the iron core of Thea merged with the iron core of the Earth, and we have a very substantial iron core in the Earth as a result, which gives us a very large magnetic field. It's 100 times larger than the other terrestrial planets, and that magnetic field protects our atmosphere. 
I'm going to ask you, because you've just described something fascinating for us all to learn in this laboratory today. Do you believe in your mind and your heart and whatever that there is, that there is other um, planets out there that maybe could have life? Yes, I think there, there are. Uh, we don't know how a life originated on Earth, but obviously there had to be some mechanism because we're here. And there's no reason to expect that that mechanism isn't universal. But I think it's very rare. I think within the galaxy there are probably only a few hundred planets that have all, everything going for them that the Earth has. And mm-hmm. those planets, uh, you know, since they're only a few hundred, they would be at extremely long distances from, from Earth. So the notion that we're all going to pick up and go to some other planet one day after yeah. we finish poisoning this one, that's, that doesn't make any sense. We have what do you think is happening? We have a water crisis that is fresh water is depleting the oceans coming up. What is your theory on uh, the future of Earth in time if they don't begin to solve their water crisis? Well, I think all of these crises boil down to the fact that we are very antiquated about the way that we make energy. We are, we are poisoning the planet, uh, we are warming up the atmosphere, and we are bankrupting our economy because we're making energy with 19th century technology. This is not the way nature makes energy. We are no, I, I'm so sorry. It looks like we're out of time. And I hope we can have you on for a longer amount of time, and then you keep this a lot. Okay. I would be delighted to share. I want to, to thank you for coming on with us, and you have a nice day. Okay. You have too. Have a nice day. Thank you. Well, Earth does have a secret. Raise your life every special moment. Earth is whispering. We had some very special guests on today. Listen to our show each week and go to our archives and see which ones you would like to choose for your classroom to go into the laboratory and learn. Leave your footprint. I want to thank you for listening and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.